The Guardian. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, the simplest, most powerful website creator that helps you make headlines with your own stunning online presence. Explore elegant templates, Getty image integration, and more at squarespace.com and use the code Guardian to get 10% off. Hello and welcome to The Guardian Books Podcast with me, Claire Armistead. Mindful that many of you may be in a holiday mood, we're abandoning our usual seriousness to indulge you with a daily series of comic tales from some of our favourite writers. They range across fiction, non-fiction and memoir and are all part of a funny story special in The Guardian's Weekend magazine. You can read the text versions at theguardian.com. This is one of six podcasts we'll have for you. Enjoy. Could It Be Forever? by Nina Stibby. It was the 1970s. I was 11, and this is a true story. My sister and her friend Celia had something important to tell me, and it came out in a breathless telling. Celia's American cousin, aged nearly 13, had been staying with Celia over the Whitson break, and though he'd gone home now, to Alice Springs, he'd seen me going about my daily life in the village, and had fallen head over heels in love with me. This cousin of Celia's was called Dave Cassidy, which sounded very like David Cassidy. He even had the middle name Bruce, and hated tomatoes but not ketchup, just like David. I knew a lot about David Cassidy. Cousin Dave and his family had had outings with Celia's family, to Twycross Zoo, and a farm where you could stroke sheep and get a scone, and they'd seen a historical pageant in Braggart Park with live peacocks and someone playing the lute. But the highlight of Dave's holiday had been me. But when did he see me? I asked. You were pushing your bike up Station Hill, said my sister. I don't remember pushing my bike up Station Hill, I said. Well, you did, and your face was bright red, and that's when Dave fell in love with you, said my sister. And Celia agreed. Why didn't he speak to me then? I asked. We just zoomed past in my mum's mini on the way back from the reenactment of Lady Jane Grey's nine-day reign, said Celia. Plus, he was dazed, my sister intervened, and his feelings for you only really dawned on him once he was at Luton Airport, buying sweets for the long flight home, and he experienced a sudden sense of regret at not approaching you. That's the way love is, said Celia with a shrug. Especially with men, said my sister. Did he enjoy the reenactment of the reign of Lady Jane Grey? I asked. He bloody loved it, said my sister. He loves English history. It was strange but undeniably exciting to think of this American cousin of Celia's, Dave Cassidy, falling in love with me and now back at home in Alice Springs, wishing he'd approached me. I felt changed, loved, in love. My sister could tell me all about him. First and foremost, he looked exactly like David Cassidy, in his shorter-haired phase, which was good to hear, because I'd never liked that long flicky bit at the back he sometimes had. Also, he loved ponies and respected dogs, and was a good singer, and part of a huge, bustling family of musicians who loved making up songs on the spur of the moment. 
How come you know so much about him? I asked my sister. Celia's told me everything, she said. Yes, said Celia. Dave Cassidy seemed perfect, especially him being in love with me just from seeing me pushing my bike up a hill. He was the first person ever to fall in love with me, that I knew of anyway. And of course, he looked exactly like David Cassidy. I felt a bit sorry for my sister, actually. David fallen in love with me, even though he was more of her age, and it sounded as though she really admired him. Anyway, the point is, Dave wants to know if you'd like to exchange letters, my sister said, nudging Celia. Doesn't he? Oh yes, I forgot that, said Celia. Yes, I said, I definitely would. Letter writing was a thing I liked a lot, and I was always on the lookout for someone to write to, without seeming mad. And here I was, being asked by a David Cassidy lookalike to be a transatlantic pen pal. Dave was bound to enjoy my letters, which would be all about dogs and ponies and England and myself, all things he loved. I already had an exciting English thing to write about. It had just been announced on the nine o'clock news that Princess Anne had become engaged to an army soldier and would be getting married in the autumn, all being well. I was to give my letters to Celia, to give to her mum, to post along with her own letters, to Dave's mum, to save on the postage, which was very expensive, Alice Springs being a thousand miles away in America, equidistant between California and the Catskill Mountains. Though I don't remember exactly what I wrote in my first letter, I do know it was long, neat and beautifully illustrated, and the envelope sealed with a precious Snoopy sticker. I didn't mention Dave's alleged love for me, but I seem to recall reporting on the romantic horseback meeting between Princess Anne and Captain Mark Phillips at the Munich Olympics. Him saying, I bet your horse wins, Your Highness and her replying, I bet yours does, Captain, and swishing off. I told my mum I had a new pen pal. This one's a boy, and he lives in Alice Springs, near California, I told her. Alice Springs is in Australia, my mum said. There's also an Alice Springs in California, I said. I don't think so, she said. I remember having butterflies in my stomach as I passed the first letter to Celia and watched her stuff it into her back pocket and then kept imagining Dave lying on his bed, reading it, smiling, chuckling, and maybe wiggling his foot. A few days later, I got a reply from Dave. It was shockingly lovey-dovey and very affecting. I love you very much, he wrote. Will you be my girlfriend? And it didn't say much more than that. There was a little photograph glued to the page. God, he looks so much like David Cassidy. It could easily have been snipped straight out of a magazine, I thought. I wrote back that I'd be a sort of girlfriend-type pen pal, and I went on with another long letter. I wrote a short essay about Lady Jane Grey, explaining that she spoke five languages and wasn't interested in anything except learning more and more complicated things, and that she signed herself Jane the Queen in the old-fashioned spelling, and that that had got her into a lot of trouble not the spelling, but the actual writing it at all, and that our mother's feet had gone bright green from mowing the lawn with no shoes on, and that a neighbour had asked her to button her shirt up or put a bra on. I sealed it with a Snoopy sticker, the letter, and passed it to Celia to give to her mum to put it in with her letter to her sister, etc. It felt so funny being in love. I kept doing the strangest things, like sharing my sweets, 
speaking to myself in the mirror and laughing at the telly, even when it wasn't funny. I even wrote Dave in the grime on our car bonnet and got a telling off. Very soon, my sister passed on Dave's reply that had come via Celia's mum. That was quick, I said. Yeah, airmail's unbelievably quick, she said. In his very short letter, Dave asked straight out how I felt about him. Do you love me or not, he wrote. Please write about your feelings for me. I'm not interested in much else, he wrote. P.S. I really hope you love me as much as I love you. I was annoyed. Did we really have to ruin our love by mentioning it all the time? Was Princess Anne going to have to put up with Captain Mark trotting up to her the whole time, asking if she loved him? I didn't want that kind of pen pal. I wanted to write and read about the wonders of the world and add a few I love yous in the PS. I wrote a short letter back. I hadn't much to say, it being so soon after my last letter, which had gone into great detail about everyone and everything. I told him only that I made bread rolls in the shape of hedgehogs and that I liked him a lot, but I couldn't be 100% sure I loved him because I'd never actually met him and his letters were short and lacking in detail. I hoped this would provoke a longer letter. I sealed the letter with a Snoopy sticker and gave it to my sister to give to Celia. The reply from Dave came quickly, too quickly, quicker than it was actually possible for it to arrive. But I didn't really notice. I did notice that Dave was a bit cross. Please stop being so shy. I want to know how you feel about me. Do you love me? He wrote. P.S. Could it be forever? I wrote back. Dear Dave, I do love you and I suppose it could be forever. And I didn't bother with any little illustrations or anecdotes. I just sealed it with a Snoopy sticker and a heart and I passed it to my sister to give to Celia to give to her mum to send to the Cassidy family in Alice Springs. I told my sister of my frustration. Dave Cassidy is getting on my nerves a bit, to be honest, I said. He's not a very good letter writer and he never tells me anything interesting about his family or California. God, she said, you're so unfucking grateful. Dave was even crosser in his next letter. He wrote something along the lines of, I hear you don't like my letters very much. I'm sorry to be such a letdown. And I'm finishing the relationship because your letters are so boring. I couldn't believe it. I read it over and over. I was heartbroken. Tears welled up in my eyes. I was furious with myself. I'd ruined my chance of love by not being loving enough. I was a failure. Was this how love was going to be for me? I went to my sister's room. I called myself an idiot in the mirror and I flopped onto her bed. I lay staring at Mark Boland's glittery top hat, probably crying, or at least trying to cry. And somewhere there, maybe under a pillow or on the bedside table, I came across a little bundle of papers decorated with Snoopy stickers. They were my letters to Dave Cassidy. I read them. The first one, quite formal. The second, full of charming detail and fun. The third, short and sharp. And the final one, bare of any illustration and in plain black pen. Dear Dave, I do love you and I suppose it could be forever. I couldn't work out how my sister had got hold of them. I found her eventually with Celia. They laughed. <laughs> Me and C made him up. 
said my sister. Made him up? I cried. Yeah, he doesn't exist, said my sister. I'm devastated, I said. Why? You didn't love him, said Celia. I did, I said, and I do more than ever, now it's over. Always the way, said Celia with a shrug that I hated. None of us said anything for a while. Though it was a relief in a way, knowing that I hadn't failed in my first love affair by being unromantic, I had to put my fingertips to my forehead while it all settled in my mind. But I couldn't concentrate and kept watching an ant rushing around. So I closed my eyes and silently told myself Dave was gone. And that suddenly seemed so utterly tragic and unlivable with, I began to cry. Don't be silly, said Celia. But Dave's gone, I sobbed. It's your own fault, she said. You didn't make him feel loved enough. Look on the bright side, though. At least he didn't snuff it, said my sister. Yeah, he was going to get run over by a taxi doing his Christmas shopping, said Celia. Imagine that. Yeah, imagine how you'd feel then, said my sister. For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com slash audio.